Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 228. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Every second of every day, your restaurant is talking to you. Between the chatter online, interacting with your POS system, or making transactions with your credit card processor, these are all opportunities to collect data, crucial data that can help you make the right decisions in your restaurant. To learn more, schedule a demo by going to resources.upserve.com slash restaurant unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Jefferson Macklin. Jefferson, I know you know what's coming next. Oh, yeah. Are I'm you- feeling unstoppable, <laughs> yes, Eric. I didn't even have to say it. That is That's what it, I like. Baby. That's <laughs> Great, man. So Macklin is a graduate of the Military Academy of West Point and the University of Virginia Darden Graduate School of Business Administration. For about 10 years, Macklin dabbled in the world of digital media and music management until joining the Barbara Lynch Grupo in 2007 as Chief Operations Officer, where he oversaw the operation of seven extremely successful restaurants. Under his tenure at the Barbara Lynch Grupo, they were showered with accolades. In 2015, he left Barbara Lynch Group Up to partner with Chef Colin Lynch and his wife, Heather Kenaway Lynch, on Bar Mezzana. Did I say it right? Nah, yeah, you, you did. It's <laughs> totally good. Bar Mezzana. We're looking forward to it. Uh, a coastal Italian restaurant opening in spring any day now, 2016, Boston, Massachusetts. Dude, you got a lot going on on Pumford. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, thank you very much. We're excited about it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm blushing after all those accolades. I appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, there were so many. I thought about, like, listing them, but we would have be still doing the introduction if I was. Yeah. It's, it's great <laughs> stuff. So uh, I just well. gave the listeners a huge aerial view of who you are, uh, what you've mm-hmm. accomplished. Can't wait to learn more. But before we do it, let's just get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra hit us. All right, you ready for it? It's something I learned way back in the military, and it's it's, uh, worked for me ever since. And that is take care of your people, and they'll take care of you. So true. Take care of your people. Take care of you. And I meant Mm -hmm. to say thank you for your services. I always try to say that whenever we have. Oh, I appreciate that. Somebody, yeah, no problem. Thank you. And take care of people. They'll take care of you. I mean that that carries over so well in the hospitality industry, especially because. That's right. It's such a people-heavy industry. You've you got to keep people happy. And where's the power? And just, just just dive into that quote a little bit more and how it served you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I just it's it, where whether it's the military or where you know where you're you're literally your life is at stake or or in the restaurant business where you know the last thing you want to do is watch somebody go down in flames. And I'm a I'm a big believer in servant leadership. Yep. And you know, there's in the restaurant business, your frontline employees are the ones interacting with your customer with the guests. Mm. And if you don't set them up for success and have everything taken care of for them, as far as they shouldn't be worried about their benefits, they shouldn't be worried about their pay, they shouldn't be worried about having the right equipment or the right information or the right environment to work in. If you don't set them up for success, they're not going to take care of the guests, and ultimately that's going to be that's going to be a failure for the restaurant. And so, um, you know, if you show them that you care and that you're looking out for them, they're gonna they're gonna pay that back in spades and uh, take care of you and ultimately take care of the business. 
Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. the people that I've studied doing this podcast, what they're so good at is doing exactly that, exactly that taking care of their people, but not just, um, you know, the most basic ways of with paychecks, but, you know, giving them the tools, educating them, uh, providing a happy place to work. They are literally yeah. every day just serving their people, not just their guests, but their employees. It's that Danny Myers mentality of enlightened right. hospitality. Great no stuff. Uh, so let's let's find out a little bit about you and like the path you took because, man, like when I was doing my research on you, it's like <laughs> you have such a uh, <laughs> a, crazy yeah, a little background. bit of a question, yeah. Yeah, and then boom, 2017, you land such an amazing role with such an awesome mm-hmm. restaurant group. Uh, let's kind of take it through some uh, snapshots of how you got to where sure. you are today. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Uh, so if you look back at my past, I have a military family, so. Uh, you know, I kind of had a direction that was predetermined, which, which brought me to West Point. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I was able to, to get out of the military um, successfully and healthily and, and um, went to business school. And it was a business school where, you know, I really came across the, the notion that you can, you can actually do what you love. And, um, you know, if you do that, ultimately, you know, the, the age-old adage that, that the money will follow. Still waiting on the money, but I will tell you, I've had a very fulfilling life by continually following my passion. And I realized very quickly after business school that that, that had a lot to do with being inspired and, and having a desire to work with creative people. I don't, I don't consider myself an amazingly creative person, but I really have respect for uh, musicians, for chefs and that kind of thing. And so if, you, if there's one theme, uh, at least in my most, you know, my last 20 years of, of work, it's, it's very much been that theme of trying to balance creativity with business. Ah, so there, and, it's starting and, to come yeah, together. Yeah. It's starting to come there together. You go. I see it. I was going to ask, what, what, what is your passion? And it sounds like it's just being able to support those people who have those creative sides to them, but maybe don't have the business knowledge to put it all together. And it seems like that's what you do. Yeah, so I think it's, it's, it's a role of facilitation. And, it, and at the same time, it's, it's, it's being able to be in environments and in businesses that, that are very passionate. And uh, whether that's, that's working with a band to put them on tour and to get them signed to a label and see them succeed or, or work with a chef and partner with them to see them succeed, I, I don't need to be out in front in the limelight. I just like to be part of something that, that has passion. Mm. And I like to, to work with somebody in a creative way. That's a real difficult balance is to make sure you're not neutering the creativity, but at the same time trying to make sure the business is a success. And, and there's, there's ways to do that, and it, and it has to be, you know, it has to be navigated, it has to be facilitated, but I really enjoy that challenge. And, and that, to me, is much more exciting than making widgets or being in a cubicle farm or, you know, doing, or even really just being solely focused on moving money. I, I had a struggle in business school, um, you know, interacting with some of my classmates because for all intents and purposes, when they were going to Wall Street, what they're really doing is they might as well just go to Vegas. They're making bets on, on you know, certain things that, that may or may not pan out, but the whole motivation is the money. Mm. And for me, my motivation in life is really just getting the most uh, experiences that I can out of it. And that might be jumping out of airplanes, or that might be, you know, going to Lollapalooza with, a band, with my band and having them up on stage, or it might be, you know, going to the James Beard Awards with the chef that, that is stepping up and, and winning Best Restaurant Tour. So, you know, those are the kind of things that I find really fulfilling, and uh, I feel very strongly only go around once in this life, and, and you might as well get as many experiences in that go around that you can. So that's what I'm trying to do. 
two things I want to pull from that, just listening to you talk, running like a madman sure. over here, trying to keep up. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't do it for the limelight. And that brings me back to this mm-hmm. quote I love to share all the time from a past guest, Octavio Mantilla. It's amazing. I love Octavio. Yes, he is so great. And he has yeah. this mentality, uh, a quote that you share with me. It's amazing what you can accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. Um, and That's I hear right. that coming with you. If you surround yourself with these, you know, creative, talented people, you can accomplish so much if you just don't care about the credit. It's not about getting That's the credit. Right. And I, the other thing I did is I drew a money sign with a circle around it and then a line through it. Don't chase the money. <laughs> chase what motivates you. And for you, it's that experience right. that, uh, you know, to, to be a part of something special to help other people. Uh, that's what drives you. And if you chase what you, you're truly passionate about, uh, the money will come. And I have a good yeah. feeling that your time <laughs> is right around the corner. Well, I, well I, that I appreciate. And, and at the same time, <laughs> it's, it's not the goal. If it happens, you know, I've never worried about having food on the table, you know, yep. as, as some people can be challenged by. And, and at the same time, I've had the, the experiences in my life to see people who have made a ton of money and they're empty. They're not very fulfilled. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I, I'm very comfortable with the direction I'm on. So, awesome. and, and, uh, love that you've spoken about KBO cause he's, a, he's an amazing guy. And, uh, I'm actually looking forward to seeing him in about two weeks. So. Tell him I said, hi, please. I, I sure will. I sure will. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, let's fast forward to the time where you're, you're deciding to get into hospitality. How do you go from music management to, landing a role as chief operations officer for such a great restaurant group like Barbara Lynch Grupo. I mean, did you know somebody? Did you respond to an ad? Like what was, what happened? Yeah. My, my wife at the time was friends with her and she was beginning to uh, uh, start mapping out a major expansion. And I had, uh, you know, a solid background of operational experience and, and, and also fundraising. And so I jumped, you know, feet first in and, you know, I look, I liken it to the fact that I've been working in the music business. I've been working with producers and bands. And to me, today's rock star is the chef. Mm. And, you know, you're putting on a show every night in a restaurant. Um, and you're, instead of writing songs, you're writing recipes. And instead of writing albums or creating albums, you're creating menus. And to me, the businesses are really analogous. And, and so it wasn't that much of a switch from managing bands to then working with a chef. To, what to was the biggest challenge in that switch? Did you face any, like, you know, maybe somebody's working in a field right now that isn't hospitality, but they, they find themselves mm-hmm. being drawn to it and they want to make the switch. They want to join an awesome restaurant group and work for a group. Did you see any mm-hmm. challenges that you didn't expect that you had to, like, you know, yeah, uh, adapt yeah. to? Well, one, one was, you know, I think when you ever, <laughs> the, the first thing is, you are entering the business in the restaurant business where every one of your customers, every one of your guests feels like they have an authentic and a credible opinion about your business. <laughs> and I don't think that can be said for many other businesses. If you're an insurance, if you're, uh, you know, take your pick. If you're a real estate agent, there are very, I don't know. There, there's very few experiences where everybody feels they have the right and the, uh, the knowledge to actually provide criticism back to you about your business. So that, that was one, but, but probably the most overriding experience or feeling I had was how amazingly difficult this business is. Mm. It is, it is from a business model structured, really challenging. It's a challenging business model, you know, on a good day, if you're cranking it, uh, in a fine dining restaurant environment, you're going to be looking at five to 10% net income after you busted ass. And that's on a good day. You can be impacted by weather. You can be impacted by uh, uh, current events. You can be um, impacted by sports events. I mean, there's just a slew of things 
that can impact your business that are out of your control. And, and again, if you're even firing on all cylinders, you're going to make five to 10 percent net income. Mm. The, the other thing would be very much a lot of what Danny Myers has said when, when he's tried to write the inequities that he has seen through his no tipping policy. And I was stunned when I got into the business to see the disparity in the pay between back of house and oh, front yeah. of house, you know, and to see how just how challenging this business is. And a, and a good friend of mine, actually a friend of Octavia's as well is uh, a guy named Jeff Benjamin out of Philadelphia with, with Jeff the best is family. awesome. He's been on the yeah. show. He's coming back on oh, the show to discuss right, his book. I can't wait. Outstanding. Good, good. Because <laughs> he was one I was going to recommend. And, and um, you know, I actually say in his book, he actually quoted me, but I feel as though, you know, I felt like all the time in the restaurant business, when you're, tr- you're trying to change the tire on a car that you're actually driving, mm. to, to try to make incremental improvements to make change in a business, in the restaurant business, that's what it's like because you, every night is service. You can't, it's hard to even get every decision maker and everybody who contributes to a decision in a room all at the same time because you might have a manager that's off on a Tuesday night. You might have your controller who works during the days. You know, you might have the, the chefs of the company who's, who's uh, at a food event across the country. It's just hard to get people in the same, same room to have a conversation and make a decision that's right for the company, let alone get ready for service that night. And so I, I, that, was, that was the analogy I always felt like we were trying to do was we're driving a million miles an hour and, and we're trying to change the, car, the tire on the front wheel at the same time. I mean, it's just brutal. So Jefferson, how do you do it? I mean, there's so many restaurants out there. How do restaurant groups like Barbara Lynch Restaurant Group, like I'm sure Metza, uh, Bar, yeah. Bar Metza is going to do Bar Metza, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, you, what are you doing yeah. that other restaurants aren't doing that, that make you successful? Like what's the secret in like one sentence? Work hard and be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's as simple. It, it, there is no magic formula. There is nothing, you know, whether it was at the Grupo or whether it's at, at what will be my bar mezzana, I, there's no magic sauce or special sauce that, that we feel like we've come up with other than the fact that you go into something not scared and you just keep slugging away mm. and the, you're going to get knocked down multiple times and you can't despair. It's like anything. You just got to get back up and you got to keep pushing hard. But if you do that with empathy, if you do it with confidence, if you do it in a nice manner, um, you're going to be successful. I love and it. one of the, yeah, one of the things I was proudest of hearing people comment about the Grupo and what I hope people will say about Bar Mitzana is wow, everybody we meet in your company is so nice. Mm. And, you know, and when we're talking about hospitality and when you're actually trying to create unique moments that everybody can have an experience when they come into your restaurant, you want that experience to be led by nice people. And so, so as we are now in the hiring process for Bar Metzana, um, you know, that is what we're primarily, that's what we're focused on is trying to get really rock solid people from a talent level, but ultimately they got to be nice people mm-hmm. because you're going to, you're going to be working and sweating and bleeding with them. And, um, you know, you just got to be able to, to, to be able to plow through really yeah. difficult situations and, and be nice about it. Yeah. I mean, that culture is the backbone of any it restaurant. Yeah. You, you really have that's to, right. you know, establish it early spell it out, paint it out, make it super mm-hmm. clear about who you are, what you're meant to do. And at the core of that, it's all about just being hospitable, which is about being warm, genuine, and nice. That's right. That's, it. It, That's it. So there it is. one thing I want to pull out from what you just said, kind of 
rewinding a little bit, uh, you were mm-hmm. talking about when you joined this group, 2007, uh, Barbara was mapping out an amazing, uh, you know, ex- or expectations or she was planning everything. And one thing that she did, one thing that I see am- amazing people, something I'm sure you're going to do with your mm-hmm. adventures is uh, surrounding yourself with the people who are strong, putting people on your bus and in the right seat on the bus to get things done. And that's what you are, man. Like, you, like she saw, think, yeah. <laughs> like it's all, I mean, we all know Barbara Lynch, but there's so many people behind the scenes, uh, like the Octavia mm-hmm. Ventilas, like the Jeff Benjamin. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that that's right. Are just steering the ship uh, and making things happen, and you you need to find those people to put on your mm-hmm. bus in the seat. Um, and I'm sure. Yeah, you're, that's right. That's such an amazing lesson to see what she did with surrounding herself with people like you. It's well, you know, it's, 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 and, and and that's a lesson to be learned from trying to balance creativity with business. Right? Is I think a lot of times creative people can feel like structure and process are, are can be suffocating. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that process and structure can actually be liberating because you can map out and be very efficient as to who does what. You know, the, the restaurants should not be a youth league soccer game where you have all the little ankle biters in one big mass following the soccer ball around the field. Everybody should stay in their lanes, right? Because you know who does what. There's somebody handling PR marketing. There's somebody handling accounting. There's somebody handling the training of the service staff. There's somebody handling the uh, you know, overseeing the, the dish pit. There's, you know, everybody knows what they're accountable for, what their jobs are, who they report to, where in the heat of battle, you know, when bullets are flying, who are you going to look to for direction? Mm. Because that is what services can be like sometimes on a busy Friday night when the POS system goes down and it's actually snowing outside and the valet didn't show up. I mean, all of these things can all combine together to create really horrific challenges. So okay. how do you react to that? And you react to that by knowing who to look for guidance. You, you know everybody knows what they're doing and what they're responsible for, and that's, that's how you work through those things. Yeah, awesome. Now, I'm really excited about this interview because you're opening Bar Mitzana, and I yeah. feel like uh, you're at a really critical point in your career where you can just like just dump knowledge on us and some of this, this <laughs> you know uh, challenges you're having so like talk to us about this process you're opening this spring any day like what are your current challenges like what what was the whole experience the past year how's it been what are some of the biggest takeaways you've had from this experience yeah yeah i mean uh you know i i uh, left the grupo uh the beginning of june and so i'm very proud to say by the end of may within a year we're Almost gonna have to come up with yeah, just under a year, we're going to have come up with a concept. We're going to we're going to plan it. We're going to have funded it, and we're going to have built it, uh, wow. and and actually open the doors within a year. And I'm really proud. Fastest of that. So, year of your life, I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is, and the most fun. I mean, it's the most fun and the most fulfilling. So, um, share some of the yeah. roadblocks and hurdles you've had to get over to you know get to where you are now. And when are you opening? Sure, sure. We're we're hopefully opening uh, late May, beginning of June, but. Um, you know, there's, we're still in the midst of construction. We, we just started week nine of construction of a, of a, of a 12 to 13 week process, depending on how permitting goes. But, um, you know, the, there, there's constant hurdles and it's no different than what, what I talked about being successful, you know, at the Grupo or what we hope to be at Bar Metzana, which is you're going to get knocked down by every wave, but you got to get back up mm-hmm. and you got to keep pushing hard. And so it could have been, you know, we're in the city of Boston. You have to you have to find a liquor license that's available on the open market and actually acquire it if you're going to do full liquor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you 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 we've managed to do that. How do you do that? You the, every success that we've had in this last year has been from 
our experience in the industry and our knowledge and, and familiarity with all the people in the city of Boston. The city of Boston is really just a, a, a large, it's, it's just really a small town. I mean, it's a city that's a small town. And so to get shit done, you've got to know people and you have to work with people. And ultimately, you've got to have familiarity with them and they have to like you. Mm. And, and that's, that's what it's taken. And so that's, that's in every, every realm of this. So that started with coming up with the right concept, coming up with the name, uh, which was extremely challenging. We, we came up with multiple names that ended up being taken or being announced by somebody else in San Francisco or what have you. <laughs> so why Bart so, Mizzano? You know, well, what's, why did you pick that name? Yeah, we picked, name, we picked the name. First of all, we wanted it to, to imply casualness, and that to us is why we have the bar attached to it. We could have just called it Mizzano, mm-hmm. but in good, you know, as many Italian restaurants may do in Italy itself, it's you know, you put the bar tag on that because it's going to have full liquor mm-hmm. and we want people to, to immediately know that this is a place that they can go where because Colin Lynch is the chef, they know there's going to be amazing food and you can really geek out, but you can also have food that you could have, you, you could dine at Bar Methana every week. Um, and we use the name Methana for a few reasons. Uh, one is we're in a section of Boston in the south end of Boston that used to be a wharf area. It used to be water. Mm-hmm. So like so much of Boston, it's landfill. So Metzana is actually a nautical, an Italian nautical term for uh, mizzen mast. So that's a mast that was on these schooners that used to be at the wharfs where, where we're located. And being a coastal Italian restaurant, it made sense to have a little bit of a nautical feel. But even more fun is we're in a development that um, used to be the site of the Boston Herald uh, newspaper. Okay. So the, the development itself is called the Ink Block, and they, they've risked on that theme of printing presses and ink and ink tones and, and newspaper uh, uh, imagery and so forth. So we actually discovered there was a font designer from Italy in uh, the uh, mid, like 1940s, 1950s, and his name was Metzana. And uh, even more exciting, we found that, that a current font designer in Italy had come up with a font called Metzana font, <laughs> and as an homage to this guy. So we actually have commercially licensed that font for our menus and for our signage oh, awesome. and we'll be in and that's where it all comes together it's it's, uh, it's a lot of fun it really is important to us that every decision that was in the restaurant was actually there was stock given to it there's there's some substance and meaning to it so i just pulled out some nuggets listening to you talk some of the things i really just want to put emphasis on when you're opening a restaurant um it's so crucial to get that experience, and you got eight yeah. years under your belt working with an outstanding restaurant group, uh, and mm-hmm. you, we're going through it time and time again, seeing, you know, working with these people, getting an idea of what it's going to take. I feel like so often people go too big too soon and try to take on the world. you got to get that experience. Go work for somebody uh, who's at, right. at the top of what they're doing. Get that experience. Build that network. You're getting an experience. You're meeting people that you can put mm-hmm. in your back pocket and dial them if you have any questions. They're going to support mm-hmm. you. They're going to spread the word they're going to find people for you to work with and be right. likable because at the end of the day people want to help you when they like you and hey man what, what goes around comes around and, <laughs> yes. and it, it is unbelievable some of the some of the friends and associates that i've come back to uh in opening this restaurant and i mean even prior to my experience at the grupo uh during my music days some of the you know when i first moved to boston in 96 some of the people i first met then are actually involved in some manner in this restaurant. And so, you know, you, you don't want to burn those bridges. And, and you also, I love what you said about, the, you know, really getting the experience. I think there's been a little bit of an, a damage done to the industry when you, when you have the likes of Top Chef or some of the TV shows where, 
it seems like everybody just can, can immediately go from zero to 60 and not have that experience. Oh, and, yeah. and I think ultimately you'll be given the opportunity because of that, but you're going to crash and burn because you don't have the fundamentals to fall back on. You don't have the experience or the relationships to, to, to fall back on. And that's not going to end pretty. You know, and the thing and, is, yeah. right, right now is like a, such a, it's a employee's market. Like there is such a, a pain mm-hmm. out there for people looking for mm-hmm. talented, passionate people. You that's have right. the pick of any restaurant group you want to work for. If you're talented and you have that passion, they will hire you and look at, look at it as a free education, a paid education. Um, and you really have to get that experience first. And the other thing I wrote down, listening to you talk about uh, why you picked the name bar Mitzana uh, and de- developing that story. Cause people don't, they don't buy things. They buy wise. They buy things that resonate with them. Like they, they want to buy into that story of uh, that purpose right. that resonates with them. So on that note, let's take it personally. Like what's your personal why? What's what, what's, I mean, I think we kind of uncovered it a little bit earlier on mm-hmm. just like, you know, being there to support the talent and to be yeah. kind of like the business behind all these, you know, super talented craftspeople. dive deeper into that. Why your personal purpose? Yeah, my, my personal purpose is, is I want to be engaged with something that I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. I, I have had a few experiences in life where, and uh, the military was to some extent that way. I, I had a moment in the military where I woke up on the ground in Arkansas, you know, in the middle of the night for a mission, and uh, I woke up next to a guy that was 10 years my senior. I was an officer. He was an officer, but he was 10 years ahead of me. Um, and he looked at me and he said, Macklin, you got to love it. Mm. And I said, and I thought to myself immediately, no, I don't. <laughs> because I could see in 10 years, I was just going to still be sleeping on, on the ground and yeah. I was going to be it. Yeah. And I didn't like being able to have that, that, that career mapped out so explicitly and, and also being engaged in something that maybe I wasn't necessarily passionate about. Mm-hmm. So my whole life and my why has been driven about uh, wanting to be able to bounce out of bed in the morning and be pumped up about what I do. Mm-hmm. And, that, and I've been honestly, you know, I can honestly say that I've been able to uh, do that since, uh, since I left business school because I've consistently focused on that. Yeah. And, and I've done it with the notion that the driving force behind that is, is when I, you know, I'm always worried about when is that bus going to hit you? Like if you, if you step off that curb and a bus takes you out, are you at that time of your life? And at that point in your life, are you going to be psyched about what you're doing? Or are you consistently saying, well, maybe someday I'll step up and do that. And I never wanted to have that regret where I suddenly got hit by the bus and I hadn't gotten a chance to do some of the things that I thought were, were something I would like to experience. And yeah. so that is, that's been the goal. And, you know, I put so much emphasis on this, uh, getting to the core of your why, your purpose, because today to really be successful, you need to start developing that personal brand. So when you're meeting new people, uh, when you're joining, when you're collaborating to put restaurants together, you need people want to know what you're going to bring to the table. And today, right. social media with uh, it's it's kind of like a, a resume, you know, and you need to. Mm-hmm. and. I mean, even further than that, like if you're if you're the chef and you're opening a restaurant, people are going to buy into whoever you are, your core values, what, right. what drives mm-hmm. you. So you have to get clear about that. And you're definitely clear yeah. about that. And um, just a quick pitch why it's so important. I just want to throw out Donald Burns and Chris Hill. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but mm-hmm. they have a great program, Chef Branding Academy, that can help you with that. If you have any questions, oh, let nice. me know. I'll connect you guys. But it's great. so crucial. So. Yeah, let's move and, on. And, and I want to say, ahead. yeah, I just want to say real quick too that um, you know it's why I'm partnered with who I'm partnered with too. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm very fortunate to be partnered with with uh, Colin Lynch and his wife Heather, 
And, you know, I worked with them for eight years together. We've been in the, the wars together at the Grupo. Colin was our executive chef of the Grupo, overseeing all the chef's cuisine. And uh, at the same time, he started out at CIA and during his tenure at CIA Hyde Park, uh, doing internships at Number 9 Park, one of the Grupo restaurants. So here's a guy that went from being, you know, and basically an intern and doing a stage at Number 9 Park to, to working his way up every station at Number 9, wow. to ultimately being the chef's cuisine. And then he helped out at a few of the other group of restaurants as Chef de Gouvine, and then ultimately became executive chef and worked with me to, to oversee all the culinary side. And so this is a guy that, that is one of the best chefs in Boston I have such huge respect for, and it's because he's, he's put in the time. Yeah. And he's got, he's got the habits, he's got the skills, he's got the relationships, and that's the kind of chef I really wanted to be partnered with. Mm-hmm. And then you bring in his wife. And now you have Heather, who had been our general manager of Sportello, yet another group of restaurant, had been that for four years, did a great job, huge respect for her team and from her team. And even prior to that, had been a server at a group of restaurant, B&G Oysters. Man. So, you know, here we have front of house, we have back of house and, and whatever I do. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's the triad that, that you really base it on. And, yep. and that's, that's the story we have shared as well when we went out to raise money. And when we put together Bar Metzana, you're investing in us mm-hmm. because ultimately this concept is a result of the three of ours experiences, both together and individually of what we're bringing to the table for what Bar Metzana is going to be. I so. love it, man. Awesome mm-hmm. stuff. So we, we, mm-hmm. we've really dived into who you are, what you've accomplished. Sure. If you could just narrow it down to a few if factors, the habits, the traits, the characteristics that you possess that you think most contribute to your success, what would they be? Uh, I think first and foremost is in, it's going to be a Danny Meyerism that he hits a lot, but it's something that I've always felt like I've had, which is empathy. Mm. And that is whether it's with the guest or whether it's with your employee, you need to understand what they're experiencing mm-hmm. so that then you can figure out how best to interact with them. And that might be coming up with a solution for them. It might be coming up with uh, some assistance for them, or it might just be coming up with a, with a pat on the back because you know what they're dealing with. Yeah. And so to me, first and foremost, it's, it's, it's been empathy that is, I think, been the, the characteristic. Now, you can also combine that with, you know, I think uniform, universally, I think people would say, wow, I've, I've worked with Jefferson and, you know, he's, pretty, he's a really nice guy. So I think, you know, those kind of go hand in hand, but I, I, uh, that those are definitely what I think are the if factors for me. Empathy and a nice guy. And whenever I hear the word mm-hmm. empathy, I can't f- help but think of the seven habits of highly effective people. Sure, first, sure. Yeah, first seek to understand, then seek to be understood. And when you can get yourself in the shoes of a guest or your employees and you really feel what they're feeling and understand what they're feeling, you can get to the core problem so much faster. Uh, they, it's, it's just a great mentality yeah. of just seeking to understand yeah. people before you make decisions and you are definitely a nice guy man i'm picking up on that no, i appreciate that <laughs> thanks thanks so but, let, you know i've also i've also felt like and this is applicable to the restaurant world itself specifically which is you, you never solve anything in my yeah. opinion by by going nutty like yeah. just going like getting pissy or yelling or screaming i've never seen that be effective yeah you know and that's you know it, it's it like goes, you work towards solutions it goes so deep, too, because if you look at the successful people in this industry, they're successful because of who they're surrounding themselves with, the passion. And then they're being nice. They're educating these people. They're really so concerned about other people and making it about That's other right. people. But at the core of that is just being a, a good guy and doing it for That's right. Reasons. That's right. I, uh, you know, and this is where some of my world gets infused from previous life for me. It's in being in the military and jumping out of airplanes, something stuck with me. 
when, uh, when I first got through that training. And it's like, if you have a parachute malfunction, you have the rest of your life to figure out how to fix it. <laughs> and, and that always kind of resonated with me. It's like, okay, <laughs> you could pull a nutty when you're up in the air and your chute's not deployed correctly. Yeah. And if you do that and you don't focus, you're going to die. Mm. But instead, if you take the time to calmly figure out what's the problem and figure out what the solution is, then you have a much better chance of, of surviving. Absolutely. And, and that's proven to be the case in every situation I've faced because you're going to have really stressful moments in a restaurant and you can pull a nutty and, and chances are you're going to go down in flames <laughs> or you can freaking be calm. You can assess the situation. You can look at what the issues are and then you can figure out the solution that, that works best. Yeah, so, it's, um, that's so yeah. true. I think you, you, we see it all the time. People get in the weeds and they just start freaking out. That doesn't serve mm-hmm. anybody, including yourself or no, us. Or your team, no. just like don't. No, right. I want to use that. Don't lose your. What do you say? Go lose your nutty or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like throw a nutty. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not not I what like you that. need to be doing. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, we can learn a ton from people's successes, seeing what they've done to become successful. Uh, you know, try to mimic their habits, their traits, their characteristics. But we really learn from their failures. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. seeing the the wrong paths they took and do you know the the mistakes they've made and and learning from those mistakes. So. Share a career challenge or failure that you've had and how, you know, bring us through that. I want to feel like I'm there with you. Like, I want to feel the pain. I want to empathize with what happened. Sure, sure, sure. I appreciate your empathy in advance. <laughs> All right. So, so, you know, I think the most challenging experience I've had, at least, um, and recently was, was um, had to be 2013. I think it was February. So, um, you know, we in the restaurant world get hit up a lot for donation requests, mm-hmm. uh, you know, gift card contributions, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that I shared with Barbara at the time was, wow, wouldn't it be cool if you look at how many dollars we're actually donating on, a, on an annual basis? I mean, it's in six figures. Mm. So what, wouldn't it be cool if we could actually say, let's take those six figures and, and actually come up with what we really want to do with that instead of just saying, uh, some PTA out there needs it, or, you know, you never know what happens that gift card you give out. Mm-hmm. So instead, what if we came up with some priorities of what we think is important in the city of Austin and let's create our own foundation and let's make a difference. Mm-hmm. And, and this is something that, you know, I'd seen done in an amazing impact with uh, the Vetri family, with what they do for Alex's Lemonade stand mm-hmm. and the Vetri foundation. And, and Jeff Benjamin was really instrumental um, with me or to me to, to, to influence that. But, but, you know, what can we possibly do? And so we came up with the Barbara Lynch Foundation. And one of the things that we put together was an annual event, um, very much uh, kind of a, a chef-driven event where we got people together and uh, we threw a big party for the, for the city of Boston that, that we thought could be unique for the city of Boston. And that's by using the group as leverage and familiarity and experience and, and friendships and knowledge to bring in people from out of town into Boston for one weekend and throw this big event. Mm-hmm. And so we took a chance. We looked at what's out there in the food world. We looked out there was what's in the event world. When should we do this? And we naively, not naively, we did it knowingly. We chose February 2013 to do this. Mm-hmm. Now we're in Boston, right? So we, we, you know, this is why everybody thinks Barbara can actually predict the future. She called it the blizzard bash. <laughs> so, you know, we, we had uh, over... 30 of the best chefs and bartenders flying into the city of Boston on a Thursday night. And the event was Friday night. And by mid Friday, we were having a storm of epic proportion. Wow. 
so much so that the governor actually instituted a, a freeze. You are not allowed to be on the roads for travel. So we had 500 people due to come to this event. They had already purchased tickets. We had the Children's Museum of Boston Reserve, you know, all of these things. And so for 36 hours, we did everything we could. Every chef and bartender was in town. We, we tried to take advantage of that, all right, move the event from Friday to Saturday. I'm um, cringing you know, right now. Yeah, it was just freaking brutal. Um, you know, you had uh, all these ticket holders that, that you couldn't honor. And so we ended up having to scrap the event because of the governor's uh, street closure order, uh, state of emergency. So that was a brutal uh, initial decision to hold it in February and then a brutal weekend of just trying to do right by the guests, trying to do right by all your participants. And it ended up just being an epic failure. Did you make it right? We made it right by by ultimately, no, there was no real way you could do it. We couldn't hold the event because of the weather. Everybody had flights out. You know, you you had a hell of a party that Saturday for everybody. It was downtown, but but the guests themselves who had bought tickets, we couldn't get them to participate. We couldn't get them out. And so, uh, needless to say, the following year, when we actually did successfully throw it, we rebranded it and, and did it in April. Mm-hmm. And it was a huge success, mm-hmm. but but that year was brutal, and that was a major failure for for what I look back at. So um, it's just so difficult to you know, people are fixated on the weekend and on a time, and all the you know we can't make a makeup event because we can't fly everybody back in. Yeah, you so, know. I mean, the, it sounds like the core of this failure was just not really planning ahead and thinking about all the possible, you know, the increased likelihood of something happening, especially in the yeah. Northeast. Um, well, I think, yeah, yeah. I think we got a little cocky. I think we, we felt like we could overcome anything because mm-hmm. we've done that in our careers and we've done that in the restaurant. And, uh, and at the same time, you can't, you can't fool mother nature and she kicked our ass. But I love how you, you know, you brought us through the experience uh, and then you gave us a takeaway, which is basically plan ahead and think about all mm-hmm. possibilities and, uh, yeah. I mean, that's what I took away from this failure. Uh, is there any other yeah. thing that you took away from this failure aside from that? Well, yeah, and it's just being humbling, and it's not it's it's not putting your necks out so far in advance that you if if the worst thing happens, mm-hmm. which inevitably in the restaurant world is going to happen, right? Murphy's Law. Yeah. So you know we were so overexposed and and so um, the 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 failure the worst failure is what we realized, and we should have looked at that and realized we can't risk that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. So we're oh, going to yeah. take a quick break. This has been awesome. We're going to dive back into the second half of this interview. We're just going to shower some more bombs of knowledge on us, like quick fire style. We'll be All right, right great. <laughs> All right. Have you ever found yourself just wishing you could have your own personal assistant? I mean, oh, to have your own assistant in the restaurant business, man, that'd be nice. Well, now it's possible with Upserve. Upserve is your assistant that helps you make small, easy changes that dramatically improve your bottom line. It does this by harnessing the power of data. Let's be honest, most restaurants don't use data well, but it's not their fault. There's two big reasons why. First, your data is disconnected, which limits its power. And second, even the data that you've got isn't fast and easy to use by 2016 standards. Well, Upserve can help you with that. To learn more, simply schedule a free demo by going to resources.upserve.com slash restaurant unstoppable. Again, that's resources.upserve.com slash restaurant unstoppable. What are you waiting for? Get on it. We're back. And the first question I have for you is what advice do you have for getting that initial capital to get started? And this is fun because you're going through it right now. Oh, yeah. You do, man. 
Yeah, we just we just wrapped it up, and I can only say that um, you need to solicit funding from people that actually know you and care about you. Mm. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier in this interview that, that restaurants are not a great business model, so you're never going to be able to create an investment package that's going to be on the same pot, you know, same scale as something real estate wise or, or bonds or, or, you know, trade off uh, options or what have you. So, you know, ultimately they're investing in you and that's what you're selling. And so therefore who you go to for that investment um, they need to have a, an interest in it and care about you individually mm-hmm. and want to see you succeed. I just circled when, yeah. those three words that we were talking about earlier that are so crucial when getting that initial capital, the experience, the network, and being likable. Uh, and mm-hmm, that's what mm-hmm. happens yeah, with that's right. experience. Uh, yep. but, sorry, I cut you off. Do you want to add something to that? No, no, that's absolutely right. It's just when when, when you start to stray away from from those kind of things and maybe you're going there's a lot of money out there to you know to be pursued in people who want to invest it but but if you're going to it just because they have money and there's no personal connection the chances of them investing in your restaurant are slim to none it's just not a compelling investment when held up to others you've got to have people really want to care about restaurants be passionate about it and ultimately be passionate about you Absolutely. So we already put a lot of emphasis on this, the, that the success of a restaurant has so much to do with the people, being good to the people, caring for your people. What's some advice you could give us for hiring, managing, and retaining people? Yeah, I think as far as hiring, you, you obviously got to create a compelling package, but I think ultimately people want to be affiliated with success. Mm-hmm. And, and that means then what is going to make that restaurant successful? It's, it's having great food. It's having amazing hospitality and really spot-on service in an environment it is inspiring. And so we put a lot of emphasis into the design of the restaurant. We obviously have a chef that I think is, is the best in Boston. And we obviously have a, a front of health program that's going to be the, you know, one of the best as well. And so that's what people, people want to come and be proud of where they work. And, and so when they can feel like they're being a part of that, that's, that's the best part in my mind about hiring. Again, it's almost that personal, it's a personal uh, decision. As far as in managing and retaining them, I think you've got to give them opportunity for growth. You've got to make them feel wanted. You've got to make them feel supported. I love it, man. And just to recap, mm-hmm. like people don't want to get hired for a paycheck. Uh, they, want to be, mm-hmm. they want those hired needs to be tapped into. They want to be hired to be a part of something that's successful. And, I mean, if you're going to show up to this work, like, it's, yeah. you're not going to make a crap ton of money. You, you need those higher needs being met, and that's what happens when that's you create right. something special. If you want the best, you've got to be the best. So focus on being there the best, go. and you'll get great people. Awesome. That's it. That's it. And great stuff. So um, what are some of the current challenges you're dealing with, with you know, going through right now? An industry, an industry challenge you might see coming. Like, Share some of the challenges you have. Yeah, I, I think uh, one of them is just knowing how to shut it off. Sometimes, you know, this is, this can be a 24 seven business. Mm. Um, that's both when you're open, but also with us in our planning stage, there's always something more to do. And it's, and it's really hard to create that balance. Um, so that's one challenge. Um, I think ultimately also making sure that, that we create, you know, we, we take it very seriously. Uh, we have taken investors money and we're now spending it on our construction mm. and on the build out of bar methana. And so, we are structuring everything from a business perspective to make sure that we honor that commitment and that we try to pay them back as quickly as possible. Um, you know, I think some, some restaurateurs have the opportunity to either self-fund or, you know, what have you. We, we uh, are a large enough restaurant that, that that wasn't possible. We couldn't self-fund it, so we went out and got outside investors. And to have people investing in you, we take that obligation very seriously. And so 
everything we're doing now on, on managing our budget and on looking to hire and then ramping up and making sure people know about Barmetana, all of that is driven by the fact that we want to make sure that we're taking care of our investors. But we also, as I said earlier, realize that we also are in a business where our frontline employees are the ones who are ultimately going to drive the success of paying the investors back because mm-hmm. they're taking care of guests. And so, you know, very much that Danny Meyer notion of, of really cascading down that if you take care of your employees, they'll take care of the guests. The guests will then take care of the finances and the finances can then take care of the investor. Yeah, I think that's something that's worth uh, pointing out too. So often you hear people say we can't find good people, that they don't have any experience, blah, blah, blah. But really, at the end of the day, hire that good person and then that's right. mold them, give them the tools, develop them. Yeah. Um, and I don't see people really caring enough to do that. They don't put enough effort and time and resources into doing that. Um, and I think, I mean, do you want to elaborate mm-hmm. on that at all? Yeah, I, I concur with you. Absolutely. I think it's just vital that, that we're, we're more focused on trying to make the hire of good people as opposed to uh, wine experts or mm-hmm. cheese experts or what have you. You know, we're looking for people that we want to work with and show up every day and work really long hours with because we want to create a family. Absolutely. And that's what we want people to feel when they come into Bar Metzana and any of any restaurant. You should feel like you're in a place where people care enough you're, that you're there. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about work-life balance. And I, I, I mean, I'm on, honestly, I'm thinking about scrapping this question <laughs> just because no, really? I feel like so many people are saying it's bullshit. There is no work-life balance. There's just life and you have to find a way to make your life, uh, you know, just mm-hmm. synchronize mm-hmm. with what you do. I mean, do you agree with that? Yeah. I, I mean, I think. I don't want to put words the, in your mouth. Like, if you had a no, 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 no. I mean, I, I, the, the first thing that comes to mind is I think it is very difficult to, to balance work and life. And, especially, you know, this is the ultimate entrepreneurial venture. And like any entrepreneur, there's always more to do. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to consciously make an effort to, to try to step away from it because, you know, you, if you can clear the head, you can come back and reengage. What do you need to do? Like, what yeah. can we do to make it so we can step away from it? Like, how does that? Well, I, I mentioned, yeah, I mentioned earlier two things. I mentioned structure and process. Mm, what do you and mean if by you can have, structure? I mean, organi- like truly organizational structure to where there's somebody in charge and then there are people who report to them and there are people who report to them. And, and there's, there's an organizational, there's an org chart for a restaurant. Mm. And, and what that implies is in each level of the restaurant, there should be different tasks and different objectives for each level. Mm. And if you're the one at the top because you're the owner and you're the one opening that restaurant, that means you've come up with people that, that are below you and that you're actually there to, to make sure they're, they have everything they need to do. That means you should also be able to delegate. Mm. And, and what I often find is the people who don't feel like they have a good balance of work and life are the ones who aren't delegating. Mm-hmm. And, and providing what, that what, structure so that they... That's right, right, or not providing the exactly. structure. And it's just, like I said, it's that youth league soccer game where kids are just following the ball around the field. And, and I think what's inherent to delegating is then you've got to trust. Mm. And the only way you can trust is when you know you've done everything you can to set them up for success by giving them the tools they need, giving them the knowledge they need, uh, compensating them adequately, so that then when you step away and you actually do step away from the business, you know that, that, that the business is still going to be handled as if you were there. And that's where you got to then get away from it and clear your head. Yeah. And, then, and then I think concurrently what's most difficult in this business when you're surrounded by food and, and alcohol is I think it can be a really unhealthy business uh, physically. And I think it's really important as part of work-life balance to, to take care of your physical self because mm-hmm. this is 
this is a physically demanding business. You're on your feet a lot. <laughs> you're on the go a lot. And they're long hours. And unless you take care of yourself physically, um, you know, you're going to break down real quick. Absolutely. And that, to me, is, is very important about the balance of work and life. Absolutely. And just put a little more emphasis on the word you use, trust. Uh, yeah. It reminded me so much of uh, Nick Cirillo, uh, his book, uh, Slice of the Pie. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the entire title, but he talks about his management style, which is trust and track. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah, it's a great. It's the whole concept is basically if you develop that trust with your people and you delegate and you provide that structure, you as the owner or the manager, you're responsible then for just tracking it, putting the, the, the systems in place to track it. And That's you're right. just looking for cues for when things are out of whack by tracking. And, That's uh, right. That's it's, right. It's a great book, A Slice of the Pie, Nick's really. Uh, I like that. I like yeah. that. Yeah, and, that, and that's what I'm referring to when I talk about process and structure mm-hmm. because it's very much that same uh, exactly. mentality. I love it. So yeah. um, on the topic of books, uh, what's a mm-hmm. book that you would say is a must-read uh, for anybody getting into this industry, whether it's an industry book or a personal growth book or just a, a you know a business book in general? What do you have for us? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I think I think obviously the the go to book that everybody's going to mention is setting the table, and and I think that's understood and that's a given, right? Yeah, but, I but I got this I got, question with one book other than setting the table. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I will give you one, and, and it's a prop for my friend Jeff Benjamin. But I think his book Front of the House awesome. is actually better than setting the table. And the reason I say that is because I think he gives more true anecdotes of what it's like to really run a restaurant mm-hmm. and to interact with a chef and to, and to be in a city that's vibrant like Philadelphia is. Mm-hmm. As opposed to setting the table, which I think of more as a business book and a, and a business management book, whereas I look at what Jeff wrote with front of the house as a book of what it's really like to be there. Yeah, and me, I think he did, yeah, a, did a great a, job of it. I thought it was like a book on relationships in the industry and how to manage relationships, not just with your staff, but with people and just in oh, yeah. and little tricks. Of the yeah, yeah, but he, and he also just has enough really fun vignettes that you really, I mean, you know, you can't make some of this stuff up sometimes of oh, yeah. what occurs in a restaurant, you know, so. Yeah. Um, to me, that that was a definite book. I mean, obviously, then this is a business too, and it's a really difficult business that's got tight margins. So I think Restaurant Success by the Numbers is a, is another really mm-hmm. good book that I think people, if you're really, I mean, you know, there's there's two things that you always hear that people get mystified or romantic about, and that's uh, or misty about, and that is, oh, I want to open a bed and breakfast, or oh, I want to open a restaurant. Well, they're both really difficult businesses, and you've got to keep focused on the numbers. Mm-hmm. And I think Restaurant Success by the Numbers does a really nice job of kind of focusing on on how the economics of a restaurant are structured. And so nobody should enter into what can be a very expensive hobby uh, of saying, oh, I want to open a restaurant and not have a good grasp of what the numbers need to be. Dude, I'm so pumped that you're recommending these books uh, <laughs> because they're cool. – uh, first of all uh, – Jeff Benjamin is scheduled to come back on the show. The interview is scheduled for April 18th, so like a week away. So we're going to be oh, that's awesome. talking about his book. So I'm happy that you're kind and, of and I, and I crazy buzzer that, that, that. Yeah, that's it. And Eric, you didn't put me up to that. This is not, no, a, this this is, is not a plug. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then right. uh, the other book, uh, Restaurant Success by the Numbers, I just ordered it with a local bookstore. So I'm, so I'm like feeling oh, nice. awesome right now, man. Yeah, uh, you should. That's great. That's great. <laughs> you can find all these books over at restaurantunstoppable.com slash 228. This is episode 228. You'll find all the links right there. All right. Uh, recommended tools and technologies. I mean, I look at technology as systems accelerators, process, process accelerators, time savers. Uh, the, all these things just can give us a slight edge. So what tools and technologies have you really excited? Uh, maybe some of the new tools that you're looking to adopt and put into your new restaurant. What, what gets you really mm-hmm. jazzed up? Yeah, the, the most difficult 
conversations and challenging conversations we've had in designing the new restaurant have come around technology. Mm-hmm. And, and what we did was enter into those conversations with trying to create an environment that, that the guest cares about. You will never hear a guest compliment you on your lighting, on your temperature, on your music, but they will complain about it yeah. if it's not right. It's the kind of stuff that, that it, your success is just having it not be noticed. Mm-hmm. And so we put a huge amount of emphasis in trying to understand and have technology be able to control all from one location at the host stand, um, the temperature, the lighting, the music, the, uh, the, even the, the level of the blind, um, you know, just to, to the nth degree, the, the TVs, uh, the TV zones, the, the temperature zones, all of those things can be controlled from one iPad, iPad. And it took a lot of thought and rigor into how to create one technology system that can actually do that. Um, you know, obviously you have your, your CRM, your customer, customer relationship management tools like open table or reserves, um, that you got to consider, uh, you have the POS systems that you have to consider. And, and I think it's just something that I guess I, I should have mentioned earlier, which just blows my mind sometimes. We as restaurateurs can't afford a huge amount of overhead. Mm-hmm. And yet you as a restaurateur are expected to deal with an amazing array of, of information technology. I mean, it is mind-numbing. Oh and goodness. all you're trying to do is get ready for service every night. But in doing that, you're having to interact with just a slew of technology that, that can make or break you. And it's, it's sometimes just fascinating to, to interact with. But, you know, everything from your accounting system to how the POS system interacts with the accounting system, how the payroll system can do that, how to make sure you're abiding by all payroll laws, how to make sure that, you know, the music uh, is, is appropriately programmed and at the right level, how to make sure the lighting is of the right um, you know, uh, lumen, uh, and there's some yeah. irony to this because if you implement all these things, what they will do is allow you to automate a lot of these things that suck up your time. So you That's can right. focus on doing more of these things, implementing these systems, these technologies that are just super. That's how I look at technology, a super tight closed gap yeah. system that buys you time right. to do the research, to find out how you can make it even more efficient, more effective. Yeah. And that ultimately was our goal was how to, how to make sure that we are actually setting it and then able to forget it so that then we can just not worry about those kind of things. The environment is correct and set up for, for comfort. And then you can worry about things. Or, you know, even set it, forget it, and then be able to do the research so you can set yeah. it again. So you don't get outdated. I mean, all That's these right. things happen. Um, you were talking about uh, the technology, being able to control the lighting, the temperature, all that from one yeah. location. Is there a service you're using that to do this? No, we, we actually, we actually were not able to find commercially available systems that could do that adequately. And one of the biggest issues, not to geek out, but one of the biggest issues in, in restaurants is you can never dim your lights dim enough. In other words, uh, there's a huge issue in commercial lighting where when you, when you try to dim your lights, you get flickering because of some of the setup and how the dimmer switches are set yep. up. We actually found many solutions that we needed in the residential market, and we actually went to an integrator, a technology integrator, uh, who's more on the AV side, uh, but also deals in all house controls on the residential side. And we found residential controls to be much more ahead of where commercial control systems are. Mm. And uh, so we actually will have residential systems in our restaurants to be able to control all the things that really impact the guests. Which two systems? I mean, is, is it a combination of systems or is it one system? It's, it's all basically uh, cloud and Wi-Fi based. And so it's all going back to the overall Wi-Fi system and the switch. And 
everything is integrated there. And so you have different systems like, uh, and I'm, I'm way out over my skis talking about some of this stuff, but a lot of it is a Lutron wireless uh, radio system that's called RAW2. And then that's controlled by different Lutron systems that control both dimmer switches and the shade systems, which are Lutron based. Um, and then having a music integration system like Sonos or the like that is then embedded in that. Um, you know, but, but those are, those are just things that you got to get the right people in the room and then hash it out to figure yeah. out how it's going to work. Yeah. And it's that upfront time spent hashing really difficult conversations out that hopefully will pay off. Yeah, you can um, think of it this way. Yeah. People think about like the they look at the price tags, getting the right people in to get sure, make sure this is done right. But think about the money you're going to save. Um, and what's your time worth as a restaurateur? Fifty bucks an hour. So every hour yeah, you spend yep. trying to figure it out, <clears throat> investing in things that aren't right, that's money lost. Hire somebody who's an expert to figure this stuff out for you. You're going to come out on top in the long run if you have the. the oh company. yeah, I mean, and and that's you know you're going to put together a great team to be on your, on the floor and in the kitchen in your restaurant. Even so, when you build that restaurant, you should also have a great team, and we feel we do. We have an amazing contractor that's solely focused on restaurants here and the hospitality world in Boston by the name of Casco Construction. They they are probably more expensive up front than many people think uh, they should be paying, but you get and yet ultimately the end. Yeah. you do. And and what number is they they give you at the beginning is the number at the end. Unlike a lot of guys who will lowball it, and then at the end you get. With yeah, all these you can't budget pieces. for it. exactly. Yeah, um, so, and and you also got to be on time, and and you got to be able to deliver a project on time because so much is predicated on you getting open and getting revenue. So, so you also mentioned CRM being important. We need that whether it go with open table or reserve. What are you going with in your new restaurant, and why? Yeah, so we're we're going with reserve, and and we're going with reserve because we think that open table has is a wonderful product, and it does a lot of amazing things. But we think their their business model is not restaurant friendly. Got it. Cool. All right. So with all the knowledge you've gained over these past uh, nine years or even, you know, just in your life, if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of business advice, say, I don't know, when you take the job for Barbara Lynch Group in 2007, mm-hmm. what would that piece of advice be? That's a great question. Um, there's so many ways to look at it, but I think I think one of the things that I, I took away from that experience and what we tried to do with Bar Metzana and what we took as our business challenge for Bar Mitzana is go big or go home. Mm-hmm. And, and that is that, that I've said a few times in this conversation that, that, that um, you know, the business model of restaurants, 5 to 10% net income is success very frequently. So if you're going to get 5 to 10% of a $1 million restaurant and, and a 30-seat place, or if you're going to get 5 to 10% of a 130-seat restaurant, you know, $6 million concern, I'll take 5 to 10% of $6 million any day. Mm-hmm. And so, so the same pain and anguish, I guarantee you, come into play. And it's what I experienced at the group of because we have different sized restaurants. The same pain and anguish exists at every single restaurant, no matter how many seats you're going to have. Mm-hmm. The heat goes out in a 60, you know, in a 60 seat restaurant is the same as the heat going out in a 130 seat restaurant or um, not having enough staff, et cetera. I mean, those are all challenges, but the, the invoices are still the same. Mm-hmm. You still order in the same food. It's still the same menu. It's just bigger numbers on those invoices. And mm-hmm. so, to me, the one thing I learned is if we're going to go, we're going to go big. Do you um, should and, go big and, straight out of the gates, though? If you're no, I don't. I mean, I don't. And this is because of who we are and because of the experience we've had together. We that that was something we took from from what we had learned. Yeah, I just want to add. Some, yeah. I think that's great advice. Go big, go home. When you have the experience, I think a lot of people try Correct. to go big with no experience, and it's it's like drinking from a fire hose. It's, no, that is that is. There's yeah. no question about it. There's no question about it. Awesome. And and. 
you know, and then, then ultimately it's, it's as sexy as this business can be and as fun as this business can be and as the conversations about passion, et cetera, mm-hmm. ultimately it comes down to making sure your business model works and, and you know, you can't get carried away. So of, of the knowledge I have now, that's what we try to focus in, and we built, we built the model for Barmet's Auto from the ground up. Mm-hmm. I mean, from how many seats do you have, how many turns do we think we're going to have, what's the... Uh, you know, what's the average ticket that we're going to see or the average check we're going to see. And then you build your revenue from there. And based on our experience, we were able to then uh, predict all of our expenses based on, and our cost of goods based on what that revenue number is. Awesome. So, yeah. so if there is one question I could have asked you that would have provided more value to this interview, what would it have been? Well, I, I think I, I mentioned at the beginning, it's, it's, it's what's it like to be in a business where, where everyone you interact with, from your employee to the guest to your suppliers, is an informed critic, you know, and, and, it's, and it's a real challenge. It's something that, like I said, I didn't really expect in this business, but, you, you know, the passion that people have for this, the restaurant world, you can't underestimate, and, um, and it's just fascinating, and then whether it's people ranting on Yelp, or, or, you know, venting to a server. It's, it's amazing how everybody is an informed critic in this business and that you got to really have thick skin for that and, and be prepared for that because it's, it's a real challenge. So, how, I mean, aside from being prepared and having thick skin, I mean, how do we prepare? Like, what do you do? How do you handle it? Well, you, you, need, to, you need to have a reason behind every decision you're making and it needs to be justified. If you're just kind of winging it, uh, somebody is going to scout that out and sniff it out because they're really in they are informed critics, and, and when, you, when you dine out enough, people think they really understand some of the business. And then you also have to be a, an educator. You have to really try to take the time to, to explain to people why certain things are the way they are. And um, just because you dine out every night of the week doesn't necessarily mean you understand restaurant economics or you understand the real sheer challenge to, to do 300 turns on a Friday night oh. with, uh, you know, with, uh, with expediting and making sure that that plate arrives on your table, that it's actually hot when it arrives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and it's, uh, it's a real daunting, physically challenging, mentally challenging, economically challenging business. And, and um, it's very easy to criticize, and yet you can't just lash out at that. You've got to come back and try to, try to have people appreciate and understand what, what's going into each year's business. Yeah, and that's another reason why I love Jeff- Jefferson's, or Ben Jefferson's book. Um, yeah. Benjamin, wait. Jeff yeah, Benjamin, Benjamin's book. Wow. There you uh, go. Because he really dives into um, all of the, the, the things that people just don't consider, the complexities of each role. And I mean, just That's right. how it all comes together. It's a, If you are truly passionate about the sensory, you're going to love that book. All right, man. Yeah. That's all I have today. All of my questions have been asked and answered. <laughs> Great. You have crushed Great. it. We're going to wrap up. We wrap up every episode by having you call somebody out. So who is one indie restaurant professional? Somebody you admire as a professional you just think would be a great guest mentor like you've been for us today. Well, unfortunately, uh, you you kind of stole all my thunder because uh, <laughs> at first I was thinking Octavio, and then I and then Jeff Benjamin was my choice. That means um, I'm doing something right, man. That means I'm going yeah, you're doing right something right. I mean, yes. I, and and I wanted to call out specifically. I think what Mark Mark Vetri and Jeff Benjamin, the deal they put together with Urban Outfitters, and what they've done is building their business, and that's been the you know to date the culmination. I just think is one of the most innovative things you can do because one of the challenges in the restaurant business, especially if you're trying to scale and you're trying to grow your business on a, as a whole is what is your, and not to geek out on the financial side, but what is your liquidity event? Mm. And if you're chef based, unless that chef's attached to that restaurant, you can't just suddenly turn around and sell a restaurant 
and, and expect to get a ton of money for it other than what your lease is worth remaining or what's remaining on your lease and, and some used kitchen equipment. That's all that sits on your balance sheet. So to really get some value and to be able to see some upside, you know, I think the deal they managed to strike with Urban Outfitters is, is one of the most innovative I've seen in a long, long time. Mm. I'll have to look into that a little bit more and educate myself. That's yeah, awesome. man. Cool. Yeah. So you don't have anyone else you can think of. All the people you know. Uh, all right. Let me, let me give it a thought because <laughs> I do. No, no, I do. I do have uh, somebody else. And um, she just recently got married, and so I'm going to uh, make sure I get her last name last name right. But it's uh, Kimberly Gobon at uh, One Off Hospitality, who is their head of operations. I would heavily recommend Kimberly um, Garbon. No, Galbon. Uh, G A L B A N. Galbon. Yep. Look and out, she, Kimberly. <laughs> yeah, that's it. She's amazing. She's uh, Paul Kahn's right hand person. Ooh. Oh, man, so I Paul Kahn is on the show. Yeah, so Paul Kahn is one of uh, you know Chicago's best chefs, and, and what they're doing at One Off Hospitality is amazing. So. All right, man. Keep your lookout. I'm coming after you. We're going to try to get you on <laughs> the right. show. Uh, awesome. Man, dude, yeah. Jefferson, you've been awesome, dude. This was uh, such an inc- incredible interview. Let the folks at home know how we can uh, connect with you. Maybe they want to come work for you. Maybe you're looking for those passionate, nice people that you're going to mold and invest in. What's the best way to connect? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's a combination of two things. One is, you, you know, you can simply go to the Bar Metzana website and uh, you can email us from there or you can go to what is the, the primary job hunting site for the industry in Boston, which is called bostonchef.com. And uh, that's a website that's, that's hospitality focused here in Boston and all of our job openings are, are posted there. All right. Again, this is restaurantunstoppable.com slash 228. You'll find the links right there on how to connect with Jefferson and to get moving down the right path and joining a great team. And Jefferson, thank you so much for taking the time. Cool. To, to, My you know, pleasure. Just, such an awesome interview, man. Tons of great advice in this one. There's no question. Appreciate you are unstoppable. Well, as you are, Eric, I appreciate it. Well done. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Cheers. All right, man. Thanks. Have a good day. So there's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable, and it was such a great show. And this show, this episode just really resonated with me, and I think it's just because I've learned so much since I've started Restaurant Unstoppable um, about what it takes to be successful. And one of the biggest lessons I've learned is that uh, this industry has so much to do with your reputation, who you are, how great of a person you are, how good you are to other people, and so much of that came out in today's interview. Jefferson is clearly an awesome guy. His it factors of just being empathetic and being a good person is what he contributes to his success. And like he says, when you're looking for investors, you're looking for people who are investing in you, who are one, you know, they're more interested in just seeing you become successful than they are in getting that return on investment because they like you and you've created all these amazing you know, memories for them. And with the previous restaurants you worked at, you've been there for, maybe you've been just a, a good friend to people. Maybe you've been a good boss to people. They go on, they become successful. And, you know, I'm just thinking of random reasons now, but I'm just saying like just being a good person uh, is so much, you know, it's really influenced the direction the show the show's gone. Uh, just trying to emphasize uh, being good unto others, and uh, it's about personal growth. It's about, I mean, I think before you you can be good to other people, you've got to be good to yourself. And um, 
that's what the show is all about is just learning from those people uh, and seeing how we can make ourselves better and see how we can treat other people better and develop that personal brand for ourselves, uh, working our ass off for these people, uh, going to find mentors and learn from them, getting that paid vacation or not that paid, that paid education rather paid vacation would be nice too in this industry. But anyway, it's not going to happen. But, but you, you see where I'm going with this, and that's why the show. Um, when when I do interviews and uh, they just you know uh, back up that philosophy of personal growth before you can be a successful restaurant tour, uh, I just get really excited. So good stuff today, Jefferson. Thank you so much for joining us. And like always, guys, just quick reminders: please support the show. There's a ton of ways you can do it. You can leave reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. You can use my links if they're if you're opening a restaurant and you are you know getting decked out with whatever services and technologies you need. Reach out to me. Uh, we'll do a 15 minute chat. I'll I'll tell you what people are using. I'll try to help you find what tools to use in your restaurant. I'm happy to do that. Uh, and just use my links and use me as a reference and that really goes a long way with supporting the show and just spread the word if you know anybody who's had dreams of opening a restaurant and they're they're they know they want to do it but they need that guidance they need that direction i've got a melting pot of mentors sitting just stewing right here waiting to just shed knowledge and advice and these stories to help guide you down the path i mean it's exciting to, to know that i have this resource i mean to, that i that i know that i get emails weekly from people who are saying Eric, thank you for doing this podcast. It's helped me so much. I want to help more people, though, and we have to spread the word and uh, just just tell people and just go on Twitter, Facebook right now and and share this episode, and that will help me so much. And let me know uh, how I can serve you. That's the last thing you can do to support the show. Just shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Where are your pain points? What's hurting you? What is you know your biggest struggle? Let me know. I'll get an expert on the show. We'll tackle it together. We'll learn together. We'll grow together. All right, guys, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for uh, listening in today. Until next time, peace out.